Good morning, church. Let's get ready for the Word of God. Amen. Come on. This morning, let's be focused and stretch for His Word. Amen. And what I want you to think about this morning is where are you now? And can you see where you want to be in the future? Well, maybe the enemy has convinced you that you can't get from where you are to where you want to be. So stop trying. But today, I want to try to help you to understand that through Christ, you can move into a place of victory in your life. And the, and the way that this is going to happen is when you learn how to guard your mind and win the battle of your mind. So we are not just talking about victory and some personal accomplishment or victory of a sport endeavor. We are talking about victory in life, victory over our thoughts, victory in our attitudes, victory in our emotions. We are talking about mental stability and, and health and moving into purpose and living the life that God has designed for us to live. Amen. So before we begin, let's pray together. To this morning, I would like every one of us to pray together for God to reveal His desire to us as a church. Amen? Come, let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word. Your Word is living. It is life-giving. Whenever Your Word is sown, it brings forth a harvest. Father, we ask that by the power of Your living Word, You will renew our minds with truth. Set us free, God, from the lies that rob our joy peace and calling and god may your truth set us free this morning we pray this in jesus name amen amen you know i don't know about you but so often i better in my own mind between thoughts of faith and thoughts of fear often i want to trust god and yet i also want to control maybe for a moment you feel full of spiritual confidence that God is with you and He is for you. But the next moment, you have this crippling insecurity that paralyzes you and holds you back. What I discover is that the mind is a better field. The more I study scripture, the more I even look at what neuroscience would say, that most of life's battles are won and lost in the minds. The good news is, are you ready for good news? The good news is God's word is powerful, not just to help you, but to transform and renew your mind with truth. As we study the mind, both in scripture and science, what we will discover is this, that our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. Let me repeat. Our lives are always moving in the direction of our stronger thoughts. I will come back to this statement again later on. You know, what we tend to think comes out in our lives. And both science and scripture agree. In effect, our cognitive behavior psychology, which shows that a lot of our problems are actually related to wrong thought processes, some relational challenges, some eating disorders, addiction, some form of anxieties are actually a result of toxic thinking. That is why we need to guard our mind. 
And this morning, I want to share with you a, a few very important principles. Number one, your attitude determines your altitude. Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7 said this, For as he thinks in his heart, as a person thinks, so is he. There is a person by the name of Karl Mana, who was born without arms and legs, had a goal that is to climb Mount Kilimanjaro, Africa's highest peak on his thumbs. With sheer determination and perseverance, he conquered the mountain. Wow, what kind of attitude do you think he has? Attitude is defined as ways of responding to people and situation. Altitude is defined as height above sea level. Thus, attitudes become manifest through our behavior. In other words, our attitude will be evidenced through our actions. This determines how high above sea level we can go. This brings us to the next question. How high do you want to go? If you want to go high, if you want to change your altitude, you need to be part of the answer. You need to have a winning attitude. In other words, if you think, I can't do something, I will never be able to do something. I don't have what it takes. If you think you can't, you probably won't. But if you think you can, by the grace of God, you probably will. If you dwell on your problems, the world is bad, you know, it's getting worse. Your problems are going to overwhelm you. If you always feel you are a victim, you will likely become a victim. But instead, if you believe that you can overcome by the power of Christ within you, you can overcome. Amen? Your attitude determines your altitude. So, what we think we are determines who we become. What is attitude? Attitude is the eye of your soul. Your attitude determines how you view life. If your attitude is negative, you see life negatively. If your attitude is positive, you will see life positively. If you have a thankful attitude, you will see things you encounter as a gift to be thankful for. You see, I may not be able to change the world I see around me, but I can change the way I see the world within me. Amen? Your attitude will determine your altitude. In layman's term, that simply means the direction your nose is pointing will determine how high you fly. Let me illustrate with this paper model airplane. If your nose of your plane, airplane is pointed level, then you will fly level. If your nose of this airplane is pointed up, then you will be flying up. If the nose of your plane is pointing down, you will be flying down. So it doesn't matter how much you increase your speed, ultimately it is your attitude that determines your altitude. Amen? This concept and statement is just as true for life as it is for flying. How high you want to fly, personally, emotionally, spiritually, academically, vocationally, will be determined in the most part by your attitudes. There are people who go through traumatic situations, but with different attitudes. One person going through the ordeal 
the other person growing through the ordeal. One person becomes bitter, the other person becomes better. So it is not the circumstances that dictate the outcome. It is the person attitude that handle the situation that will determine the outcome. No situation is hopeless. Only men who don't have the right attitude. Most people say, here is our situation, it's almost hopeless. You see, no, the problem isn't hopeless. The situation isn't hopeless. People are hopeless who don't have the right attitude. The person with a good attitude sees an answer for every problem. The person with the bad attitude sees a problem for every answer. The person with a good attitude says, it may be difficult, but it is, impo- it is possible. The person with a bad attitude will say, it may be possible, but it's too difficult. Therefore, we, we, we could say that attitude drives behavior. You see, in the Bible, there are so many examples. For example, Cain killed Abel, killing Abel. Cain killed Abel because the Lord accepted his brother's offering and not his own. Cain had a bad attitude. Instead of ratifying his attitude, he acted in the circumstances. He allowed his circumstances to dictate his attitude, which in turn was manifest through his action, killing the brother. Listen to what the Lord told Cain before he killed his brother. Genesis chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. You know, God said to Cain, you know, Why are you angry? Why do you look disappointed? If you do well, wouldn't your, you be accepted? But if you don't do well, sin is lying outside your door ready to attack. It wants to control you, but you must master it. You see, sin, through your circumstances, wants to control you. It wants to control your actions. Only you can prevent that. Another man in the Bible is by the name of Job. Job was a millionaire. The Bible said that there was a man in the land of us whose name was Job, and the man was upright. He had the right attitude, the right mental disposition, and God blessed him. He had 3,000 camels, 7,000 sheep, 500 yoke of oxen, and a great household. He had seven sons and three daughters. He was the greatest of all the men in the East. The word great in the Hebrew means wealthy. He was also a great man with God. He feared God and hated evil. We know about his trial and tribulation, but many of us stop before we get to the end of the book. We find when we get down to the close of the book that he was richer than he was at the beginning. His attitude had determined its altitude, financially and spiritually. You know, Job said this, Though this skin worms destroy this body, yet shall I see God. He also said, even if he slay me, I will trust him. My, what an attitude he had. Now, let us make a spiritual application of this truth. Jesus will be the greatest example of this truth. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. Luke chapter 19 verse 10. He came to do the will of his heavenly father. You know, Philippians chapter 2 verse 5 says, 
have this in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. What was in his mind? He came to seek and save the lost. He came to do the will of the Heavenly Father. But what if Jesus had said, I can't save all of mankind. There is no need for me to die for them. Why should I give myself for people like them? Oh, no, no, no. Instead, Jesus said, I came to seek and save the lost. And He is our greatest example of the truth that our attitude determines our altitude. Without the right attitude, we cannot win the battle of guarding your mind. Without the right attitude coupled with the submission to the will of the Father, we cannot lose. Amen? So this first principle is very important that I must first establish. Church, I think we need to take a long look at our attitude. Your attitude determines your altitude. Your, su- you, your successes or failures in life will determine upon your attitude. Basic to Christian life is the right attitude. With the right attitude, you can live the Christian life. Without it, you will always be pushed around by the enemy, the devil. So don't forget Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7. For as he thinks in his heart, as a person thinks, so is he. Now before I continue, if you are watching this online, tell somebody, you know, if somebody's beside you, tell the person next to you, say, I want to change my attitude. Come on, I want to change my attitude. If you're watching this alone in the room, shout it out on the top of your voice and say, I want to change my attitude. Amen. Now, the second principle is this. The biggest asset of the, of, of, in the world is your mindset. And it is under constant attack. Now, we're going to get into the mind of Apostle Paul. In many ways, I think that Paul is like the ultimate thought warrior. Why do I say that? You know, when you look at his life, you'll notice that how he became a follower of Jesus. And then we watch as Jesus renewed his mind over and over again. In Romans chapter 7, verse 19, he said this, that there is a battle in his mind. He said that the things that I want to do, I don't do. You probably can relate, not all of us can relate to what Paul said. He said, the things I don't want to do, I end up doing it. The things I want to do, I can't seem to do. He almost sounds crazy with the thoughts in his mind. You know, but... As he progressed in his life, we see how his mind is being renewed. As he learned to wage war against the lies that attack his mind. And we, today we're going to take a look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 to 5. And this is what Apostle Paul said from 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 to 5. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that set itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. See, the Greek word for power is translated as the word dunamis. It means the explosive, miraculous power of God. We get our word dynamic from this the weapons that we fight with they have divine power to demolish what strongholds you may not use the word stronghold in every of 
of your everyday life. What is a stronghold? It comes from the Greek word aroroma. It is a military stronghold. It means a military stronghold. It was like a fortress that was built in the middle of a city. This fortress can be surrounded by a wall that will literally be six meter high. The devil, our spiritual enemy, wants to attack your mind and create a stronghold of deception to keep us locked up. So when you believe something that's untrue and takes you away from God's healing and calling off from off your life, you are imprisoned in that stronghold. You understand what I'm trying to say? What will the devil do? The devil tries to shape your thinking one lie at a time until you are a prisoner of deception. What does the devil tell you? Maybe he will tell you you can't trust people anymore. You will never succeed. You're always going to be broke. You are never going to have a good marriage. God doesn't hear your prayers. God doesn't care about you. You're never going to make a difference. You'll never be able to do anything. You know, there is a story of, as I think about, you know, the, when Moses sent the two, uh, uh, ten, 12 spies exploring the land of Canaan, the promised land. And 10 of them came back and their report was deception. A seed has been planted in their minds. The 10 spies reported that they saw that the Canaanites was huge, were huge and powerful. The two things that they say about the Canaanites caught my attention. In Numbers 12 verse 33, he said, We seen like grasshopper in our own eyes and we looked the same to them. Number one, in the verse he said that we seen like grasshoppers in our own eyes. Okay, that kind of makes sense to me. And as they compare their size with the enemy's size. But the second phrase was, was like, where do you get that? You know, number two, they say, we look the same to them. The other words, it means that we are like grasshoppers in their eyes. And I was like thinking, how do you know what you look like in their eyes? Do you ask them what they thought about you? Do you have a dialogue with them? Any communication? You see, there, there wasn't any communication between the spy and the enemies. The spy just got deceived by the enemy into thinking that you are grasshopper to yourself. And they think that you are grasshoppers too. A negative, negative seed was planted in their minds. And for 40 years, they wandered in the desert and they never tasted the promise of God for their life because of a seed that got planted in their heart. What has the enemy planted in your mind? And so, what I want to do right now, and I want to, enc I, I want to encourage you for a moment just to stop and think about what you think about. We're going to pause and just kind of go through our minds. And I'm going to encourage you to do what I call a thought or deed. A thought or deed. We're going to do a thought or deed and think about what we think about all the time. I'm going to show you three different categories to try to determine where you actually will fall on this list. The first skill I want to look at is contrasting your mindset. As you are, are you characterized by worries, thought, 
panic, anxiety, fear, or will you say that your thoughts are typically characterized by being full of peace? You know, do you tend to wake up and have your mind drift towards fear? What could go wrong? I'm worried about my kids. You know, I worry about my work. I'm worried about my health. I'm worried about my finance. I'm worried about the economy. I'm worried about the state of the world. Do you find yourself more typified and characterize your mind by worry thoughts? Or is it the opposite? Even if things are bad and complicated, do you find yourself casting your care upon God and recognizing that there is a peace that goes beyond all human ability to understand? And you sense His presence and His goodness and His Spirit with you even when things aren't the way you want. What will you say you know, if you are auditing your thoughts? Are you more characterized by worry or by peaceful thoughts in the scale of 1 to 10? I'd like you to rate yourself. The second category would be this. Do your thoughts drift towards the negative or do they drift towards the positive? Do you wake up finding yourself negative and critical of people and assuming the worst instead of believing the best? Do you look at your day and say, Oh gosh, it's going to be hard. It's going to be bad. Times are bad. And I'm always going to be very busy. Or do you wake up with a positive faith? And again, even if things are difficult, you say, you know what? Christ is with me. He'll help me to overcome. Amen? And things may be difficult in the world, but I'm thankful for a God who is working in all things to bring about good to those who are called according to His purpose. What will, you, what will represent your thoughts? I want to encourage you to pause and rate yourself in a scale of 1 to 10 for a moment. Are your thoughts drift towards the negative or do they drift towards the positive, the second category. So let's look at the third category and ask yourself, when it comes to what you think about, are your thoughts more worldly towards the things of this world that were just temporary or they drift towards that that lasts forever? Are your thoughts more worldly, meaning that were you more concerned about what you have? Will you be able to get a job after I graduate? Will I have enough for retirement? You're concerned about what you wear, what you look like, who like your posts, how many followers you have, and about what everybody thinks about you. Or they drift towards more eternal. How can you please God and how can you save a soul? The life that God has given to you. How can you make a difference in the lives of people around you? Colossians chapter 3 verse 2 teaches us, Set your minds on things above and not on earthly things. What would you say? Characterize your thoughts. Rate yourself 1 to 10 towards more worldly or eternal. You see, what we think about matters more than you can imagine. What comes into your mind comes out in your life. No matter what you do, what you have, what you know, what you buy, what you live, and where you travel, you cannot have a positive life when you have a negative mind. Why? Because your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. 
So the question I want you to ask yourself is this. Is your life always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts? Are you excited about the direction your thoughts are taking you? You know, I asked myself that very question several years ago and my answer was no. If my thoughts are directing my life and I looked specifically at my thoughts, I did not like the direction they were taking me in. They were consumed with negativity and fear and self-doubt and my inner dialogue would often be discouraging and taking myself down over and over again. So several years ago, and through this period, my number one top personal spiritual priority is to invite God to renew my mind with truth. How do I do that? And that is the third important principle this morning I want you to know on how to guard your mind is to develop the habit of renewing your mind. What I want to do is just encourage you to identify the biggest stronghold that is holding you back. What is the biggest mental stronghold that is holding you back? You might think over and over again, I'm not good enough or my past is too bad for God to use me. I will never be able to make disciples or I can't trust the people around me or I'm I'm always going to battle with my weight. I will never going to be good with money or I will never be close to God or I will never be in a job that is fulfilling or all my relationships are always going to break down. Okay, if you find yourself identifying your negative thoughts, what I want you to know that the reality that your negative thoughts are doing is they are changing the chemical makeup of your brain. The reason is because every thought creates a neurochemical change in your body. When you think positive thought, you get a surge of rewarding neurotransmitters releasing a very legal and exciting drug called dopamine. It's legal and it's powerful. And every time your your brain drops some dopamine, you get heat. You get this heat, this buzz, this thrill. For example, someone you like and respect comments on your latest Instagram post. You get dopamine. Someone say, oh, you look good today. Dopamine. My wife texts me and say, thinking about you. Come home soon. Dopamine. It is the positive search of of release in your brain. And what is so interesting is the more often you think a thought, science tells us it's easier to think that thought again. Once you think a thought, you are creating neural pathways in your brain. And literally, we have millions and billions of neural pathways in our brain. It's more often we think that thought, the more the connection is there. And it's easier to think that thought again. And and before long, whatever we have been thinking becomes our default thought. So in the same way, if you believe in a lie for a long enough time, you start to be impacted as if that the lie were true. And you get stuck. You know how habit is formed? 
if I do the same thing for two months straight and or more, you know what has happened? You have created a pattern in your life and in your mind. It becomes a habit and you will do it automatically. That means you will do the, the same even you're not aware of it. Now, if I think about a lie, I start to believe the lie and I create a neural pathway through my brain. So how? What are we going to do with it? About it. With God's help, we're going to do is to renew our minds. We're going to stay off that old path. And if I stay that path for two months, what happened? You, you will change your habit. You, you for, what we need to do is to forge a new pathway in your brain towards the truth. And the truth ultimately will set you free. Amen. And this is science and is godly because God created science. Amen. Romans 12, 2, Paul said it this way. He said, don't be conformed to the patterns of this world. We could maybe say it like, you know, don't be conformed the wrong ways of thinking. He said, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. We are staying off the destructive negative paths and we are creating a new paths of truth. Maybe for some of you, your path line is this. It's a frustrating day at work and you, you come home and it has been crazy at home because it's always crazy with all the kicks and when, especially when they're not in order making noise. Your old path say shout or yell at your spouse but now you decided to stay off that path. You decided to walk a different path road. You create that, you capture the thought. You might count to three or 10 or 100, whatever your case is, and you say a prayer, you bring before God, and you come out and say, I'm sorry, wife, it's been a difficult day, and you hug and you change the tone by changing the path, amen? Or it could be one day you are really down and you feel bad about yourself, and so when you feel bad about yourself, there is a different path, uh, a, a path, a straight path, a direct path to the freezer, and you, you eat the ice cream when you feel bad and then you feel worse because you ate the whole thing and what you gotta do is to create a new path instead of walking to the freezer you put on your shoe and you walk out of the house you take a little walk and you exercise and when you walk you pray and when you exercise you get some dopamine and some adrenaline and you feel better about yourself what you have done you create a new path or when you're bored, what what do you do? You pick up your phone, maybe you look at social media, you scroll through it, or all your friends, and you hate them because their life seems better than yours, and you're not there. You say, why weren't you, you there? And you feel like a loser. So what you might do is to create a new path. What do you do? You open up the Bible app or your Bible and you put something different in your brain that renew your mind to think in a different way. Amen? Church, we're going to forge a new path in our brain because the more you walk that path, the easier it becomes to travel. The more you stay off the old the old one, the more it weakens and it's harder to think those same thoughts again. Amen. Here's your assignment. Identify the biggest stronghold that's holding you back. Just one. 
Uh, what we're going to do is we're going to start with one. What is it? What is yours? You might, you might battle with identity. You might feel like I, I'm, not, I'm, I'm just not lovable. Or you might uh, wrongly believe that you, have, you will never be good enough. Or I don't deserve anything good. Or I'll, I'll always be broke. You, you feel helpless, hopeless, worthless. Life uh, is, is pointless. Identify the one stronghold. Name it. Because you cannot defeat what you don't define. Let me say it again. Because you cannot defeat what you don't define. So we need to identify your biggest stronghold. So develop the habit of renewing your mind by first creating a new habit, creating a new path. The second step is this. Your second assignment is this. Name the truth that demolish that stronghold. Name the truth that demolish that stronghold. What does the truth, why does the truth matter? Jesus said this, John 8.3, He said, you know the truth, and what does the truth do? The truth will set you free. The lie put you in spirit, into spiritual bondage. And some of you are living a life based on lie, based on a lie. And you know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The Apostle Paul said this, with demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself against the knowledge of God. So what do we do? And we, and we take captive every thought. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. Whatever that stronghold is that's holding, holding you prisoner in your mind, what do we do? We demolish it. We demolish it. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. How do we demolish it? We demolish it from the verse by taking captive of that thoughts. We are not prisoner to our thoughts. We take our thoughts captive and we make them obedient to Christ. What does take captive means? You see, the Greek term, translation, means to attack with a sword or with a spear. To attack with a sword or with a spear. What weapon are we talking about? We are talking about the powerful word of God. Hebrew chapter 4 verse 12 tells us that for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the divining soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Amen. It is the Word of God that set us free. It is this powerful, living Word of God that is sharper than any double-edged sword. And it cuts away the lies of the enemy. So we let God's Word take captive any lies that have held us hostage. Discover what words say regarding your situation, church. Whatever you are standing for, Maybe for physical healing, emotional well-being, a loved one's salvation, financial provision, a professional blessing, or something else. You can find scripture to stand on. Amen? Begin praying those scriptures over your situation. For example, if you are fighting depression, begin thanking God that the joy of the Lord is your strength. Amen? If you are fighting a chronic 
illness, began thanking God that he was beaten so you could be whole. He was whipped so you could be healed. Amen? The key is to find out what the word has said and then pray that over your situation. Being, begin praising God for his promises. Amen? What's your stronghold? What's the lie that your spiritual enemy have tried to use to destroy your faith, kill your relationship, rob you of the intimacy that God wants you to have with Him? Mine is the one that I've been, attack I've been attacking with the Word of God, the one that hunt me down when I was a little kid, the lie that I always believed that I'm never good enough. I would never live up to the expectation. I can't deliver. I can't. And I can't get it all done. I'm just not good enough. You know, but thankfully, I don't have to rely only on what is inside of me. Amen. There is a power greater than me that is absolutely and completely is more than enough. So here's my truth. It is from the Word of God. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 says that God's divine power, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. You know, I'm going to personalize it. You see, God's divine power has given me everything I need to do. He has given me the time to do what He has called me to do. He has given me the strength to do what He has called me to do. And when I'm weak, His strength is made perfect in me. I got the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwelling inside of me. His power is there for me when I don't have what it takes. And He has given me everything I need for life and godliness. Amen. And you, and, and, and you know the truth. The truth has set me free and He will set you free too. Amen. Why is the driving lie that has helped you back? Why is the truth that will set you free? Maybe you think, I can't get it done. I will never can get it done. Here's your truth. I can do all things through Christ who give me strength. When I'm weak, He makes me strong. Amen? You know, maybe you feel like I, I, I'm never going to be attractive enough. I, I don't like the way I look. No, 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 no. You are fearfully and wonderfully made by the grace of God. He has given you gifts to make a difference in this world. Amen? Maybe you feel like I'm going to be miserable and I'm going to be depressed. No, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Amen? The moment the lie tells you you're going to always be alone. No, my God is with with me oh oh but you, you are just nothing but a victim no 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 god's word tell me that tells me and tell you that you are an overcomer by the blood of the lamb and by the words of my testimony i'm not who others say i am i'm not even the lies in my own mind that say i am i am who god say i am amen and you know the truth and the truth will set you free amen you see, your life in so many ways is moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. What comes into your mind comes out in your life. You cannot have a positive faith-filled life when you have a negative fear-filled mind. So what are we going to do? We're going to capture th those lies, name it. We're going to replace it with truth. Replace it with truth. By the power of God, you will not lock in a prison. When Jesus 
holds the key that sets you free. Amen. You will know the truth, and the truth isn't just a concept. A truth is a person. His name is Jesus, and He will set you free. Amen. Let's bow our head and close our eyes and pray and bring it for God right now. You know, Hallelujah. So, Father, today we ask it by the power of Your Word that You will renew our mind with truth. Those who say that I need God's help, there is a war going in your mind, and and I want the name that one stronghold, and I want God's truth to set me free. If that's you, would you just lift up your hands wherever you are, declare, declare it right now that I need His truth. I need His truth. It's the powerful word of God. Right now, declare it, Father. I pray right now that you you would begin a work of renewing our minds. God, give us the faith to walk in this journey with you, to stay off the old path of lies and destruction, and God, create a new path of truth. Renew our mind, God. I pray that in the next few days, as we look at your word. As we discuss in small groups, that you would use your word to renew our mind. God, change our thinking, and fill our mind with truth, Lord, and change our life this day. All this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.